Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Knickerbox Glory. I'm Emma, and I'm joined by the co-founders of Hanks, Sarah and Farah. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> How are we today, ladies? Very well. Good. Dreary, but good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you it's live in London. It's cold outside. <laughs> I'm also joined by the amazing Alex Fox, writer, sex positive educator and advisor on Netflix's hilarious and revolutionary show Sex Education. How are you today, Alex? I am struggling to have a humble response to being called amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. You're very lovely. I'm feeling more... I'm, well, I'm not quite dreary. I'm as... <laughs> A person who works in my field of, of work is more leery than dreary <laughs> on most days. But I must admit, I've been so busy lately that I usually use the phrase spread thinner than a miser's marmite. And I felt like that's getting a bit tired because I've had to say it so often recently. But I haven't had the time to think of a new one. Uh, I'm thinking maybe a to-do list longer than a porn star on a, bo- on a box set film. metaphors and similes are the best. You honestly. are the queen of metaphors. Every out-of-office message I've had from you over the years will have a banging metaphor. <laughs> and I just wonder where you get these met. Like, do you have a book, a collection of Alex Fox's metaphors? Oh, cheers, my dear. Is there an encyclopedia of one? I've been working as a journalist or within the media for about uh, a decade and a half now. So that means I started approximately when fire was a new concept and <laughs> the wheel was a hot new thing coming out next week. Um, but when I began, I would make a point of opening every... Of, uh, sorry, of beginning every email I sent to people with some kind of cheery, chirpy, hopefully entertaining mm. opener. Um, like I think my one this week is, uh, hope you're feeling um, smarter than the cat's pyjamas, uh, <laughs> the dog's jogging bottoms and the cat's fr- frilly negligee or just something silly <laughs> like yeah. that. Um because I hoped that it would make my messages memorable. And also, so much of so many of us live really digitally these days. We're absolutely glued to our screens. My laptop, I think, has become one with my lap these yeah. days. They're, they're just, they've morphed into one. Um, and I feel like it's an opportunity to spread a little bit of much-needed joy. Yeah. Um, plus, it really makes it hard for people to be nasty to you when you haven't met deadlines. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is a so great nice. strategy. I hadn't have thought about that. I way. was told really early on by employers, though, that it came off, certain employers said they thought it came off as unprofessional and naive. And uh, I feel like it was definitely seen as an overly feminine thing to do. Oh. Like I was outing myself as too womanly, no. too female a writer. We love it, don't stop. Yeah, it we makes do. you smile <laughs> if you open your emails and it's, you know, it's a nice little quirk. Well, thankfully, going, like, cheers. <laughs> thankfully, most people have reacted in that way and um, yeah. say they look forward to it. So I do, I have actually started collecting <gasps> Is my, this going to be a lines. stocking filler? Penguin, if you're listening, please commission the book of Alex Fox's metaphors. <laughs> well, today I am wearing a T-shirt. I, I must. I will give the proviso to the big unveiling of my chest, my God, what a sentence, in saying that I'm not a fan of this company, but I am a fan of the wordplay. It's the logo of so a very good. well-known <laughs> pornographic video <laughs> hub, and it says Pun Hub on it. So, so good. <laughs> I always say that I'm like an own brand Russell Brand. Oh, so you are. I'm just a really budget version of him. It's funnier, yeah. you're funnier, babe. Oral diarrhea spouting <laughs> from my lips. So, uh, there we go. Another metaphor. <laughs> so, 
Today, we're going to be discussing the themes and realities of sex that sex education does such a good job of exploring. Alex, it'd be great if you could tell us what it was about sex education that got you excited. I first got involved in sex education, I think it must have been around a year ago, maybe longer. Um, I got a call from a TV company saying that they'd optioned um, this amazing story Uh, And just from them telling me on the phone that it was about a young lad whose mum is a sex therapist who inadvertently picks up loads of information from her through living in a a home with her and her uh, just conversing with her in her incredibly open, frank, arguably uh, too revealing style at times uh, and having a bedroom that's positioned in such a way that he can overhear some of her therapeutic sessions. He becomes this clunge sponge, if you will, of, <laughs> of information about uh, about human sexuality and genitalia and STIs and stuff. Um, if, unfortunately, he is so overexposed to this through his mum that the thought of having sex himself is absolutely abhorrent. Mm-hmm. He's so oversaturated that um, he just associates any kind of sexuality with his mama, which Freud would have a heyday with. Um, And as a result, in the early stage of the story, he actually wonders whether he's asexual. Um, But anyway, his friends at school, his best mate, Eric, who's a wonderfully out Mm. flamboyant... uh, Is this African guy? Yeah, Um, I think he... I think he has um, Ghanaian, Nigerian mm -hmm. roots, one of the two, yeah. yeah. Um, and his uh, best female friend, Maeve, who is presented initially as this very sassy, savvy, streetwise, kind of mm. grungy, cool outcast, like sort of like the Fonz of the show, if you will. But as the story progresses, we understand that she's actually got um, a bit more of a complicated and challenging background mm. and family history. Um, but both these pals um, discover that Otis, the name of the protagonist, has this vast repository of sexual knowledge and these are high schoolers every single person in that environment wants to get their mitts on information about what to do with your bits (laughs) Uh, they're not receiving this from their teachers most of them don't have parents like Otis's mum who's played by Gillian Anderson her name's Jean in the show Uh, and so they're absolutely gagging for information about shagging and I just... When I heard that premise, I just thought it was so fresh mm. because it talks about sex from, excuse the phrase, multiple different angles. Mm. It allows you to explore um, themes of sex and sexuality from lots of different viewpoints, different ages, different backgrounds. And I just thought it was really original. Yeah, it and, is. It, and it's so honest and real. Like, And I feel like there hasn't really been that much out there in terms of kind of, you know, series or even films that are that kind of honest about you know sex is sometimes you know not like it is on you know the last film you watch like it's quite funny and you know can be embarrassing and yeah. all that kind of stuff as well when I chit chat to fans of the show um often the the nearest often they reference the the last program or the last series that they watched that they felt depicted teenage sex in a way that they found interesting 
was skins. I thought you were going to uh, say that. Yeah, and if you compare skins to sex education, they're incredibly different they beasts. Really I think they're mm, entirely yeah. different species. Skins was definitely compelling and it started a lot of important conversations, but it presented teenage and young adult sex in an extremely gritty way. Um, I'm not sure how realistic that was for a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. And I have... Um, worries about how aspirational that lifestyle of um, drug and alcohol-fuelled crazy sex was presented as being. Um, Don't get me wrong, there were many aspects of of the skin storylines that that had nuance and picked up on uh, very important discussion points. Um, But it was definitely more presented as a lifestyle that was... um, Kind of, it was a little bit sensationalised. It, it was, as well. yeah, like it was yeah. Kind of, yeah, it was like you'll be just cool. like, exactly, and, and mm. people who who thought wanted wanted to be like that, and yeah, like that se- and friendship groups sto- like that, yeah, exactly. And the sexual storylines weren't real, right? They were quite. It was still kind of brushed over pleasure or STIs. Mm. In light of um, the backlash against shows like Thirteen Reasons Why, yeah. something like Skins and the themes that it presented would now be treated more sensitively mm. or more safeguarding would yeah. be done to make sure that young... Um, I'd, I'd hate using the word impressionable because it sounds so patronising, but viewers who may be influenced one way or another by that show, um, the provision of information to make sure that they weren't being given the wrong messages. Mm. But yeah, there was a lot that was definitely um, addictive and compelling about Skins as a series. But I think whereas Skins said, here's teenage sex and it's dark, sex education says, here's teenage sex and it's light-hearted. And Mm. we're going to approach this in a very welcoming, warm way that manages not to be patronising and is still genuinely entertaining Mm. and Mm. funny. Um, Initially, I was employed by the TV company just to spend a day in the room with uh, the original writer, Laurie, and her team of script writers who were going to take her original idea and adapt it so it would work on screen. And what they wanted from me was... um, multiple falls, like my labia. Um, (laughs) uh, They wanted me to give some advice on Jean's character, because I'm not a sex therapist, but Mm. I work with therapists a lot. And I guess I have an advice... My stomach keeps rumbling. (laughs) I guess I have an advisory role to to some people in an educational capacity. So they wanted to make her um, a realistic character, but also human and fallible. Um, And secondly, they wanted me to advise on what worries, concerns, excitements, uh, musings that are going on in in young people's heads in real life. Mm. Um, I co-host a show on Radio 1 called Unexpected Fluids where uh, we uh, recount real-life tales of sexual fails and then use those as a springboard for entertaining but hopefully constructive conversation Mm, with uh, guests who include like comedians and um, sex specialists, pornographers, um, people who've uh, got interesting life stories pertaining to something about their sexuality. So that gives me real privilege access to what young people are genuinely going through and thinking about. Um, So my initial job on sex education was to pour that information in. Um, Well, I'm glad they did. And actually, it says a lot about the show that they actually wanted to know exactly what was going on in young people's lives and the kind of conversations that you were having. That's really 
great for the show to have your knowledge, right? It was absolutely banging. It was such a good <laughs> choice because ivory towers still have too much power when mm. in the media. I have seen countless films, series, depictions of supposed youth lifestyles that to me are very obviously cooked up by coked up executives who are in their 40s, 50s and 60s and have done zero research about what really matters um, to young people. Um, She says, becoming conscious that she keeps using the phrase young people, (laughs) which in itself makes me sound like I might be about 57. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it it was was great that they were actually doing their such a broad amount of research. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the only script consultant. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Kate Moyle was a a consultant on it. She's a brilliant sex therapist. Yeah, Yeah. we love Kate Moyle. Um, But then uh, they sent me... In advance, Netflix and the TV company sent me series one to watch over Christmas before it went live to the rest of the world. Um. And my ma and pa live in France, so uh, they have they have this incredible retro 80s bathroom. So I was there in the jacuzzi bath, as is my tradition when I go home so for Christmas. Good. I eat all the figgy pudding and then I dump my <laughs> like Jabba the Hutt-esque form into the jacuzzi, wobble my butt with the bubbles and drink just hideous amounts of red wine in the bath. Um, I watched sounds the dreamy. first... Yeah, it sounds like a very dreamy Christmas. <laughs> I thought I would just watch the first episode I was so hooked on it and so tickled by how wonderfully they'd interpreted all of my input um, that I got out like a drunk raisin. (laughs) (laughs) I was wrinklier than a pensioner's ball sack. (laughs) It was a look. It was a look. Um, I was particularly chuffed. There's a line. um, It's only just a throwaway remark. I think it's off camera from somebody in uh, a random pupil in the school um, that's about masturbating by fucking a watermelon. And that (laughs) definitely came from me. (laughs) I feel proud. I feel proud. Um, Yeah, no. And we, we love it at Hanks because obviously we're all about, you know, being open and honest and talking about things that maybe aren't so glamorous around the, you know, sexual health and sexual wellness and not glossing over the realities. So, um, yeah, we, we think that sex education does a great job of that as well. Yeah. Speaking of reality, I'm going to address the elephant in the room and it is not Adam's penis. Um, <laughs> one thing that I do hear from a lot of people the, f- the only real criticism that I've heard, it's an aesthetic concern. So there's only one person of colour on the show, is there not? Is that what it is? No, there I are multiple. Think multiple. there are a I've few. I've only seen two episodes, so you have yeah, to. Yeah, there are. I think the diversity, they do it quite well. The problem that a lot of people had with it is uh, the fact that it's supposedly set in a school in Wales. Yes, it is filmed but, in yes. Wales. But a lot of the kids wear quite Americanised fashion. The Letterman yeah, jackets. Yeah. yeah, I was so confused. The first episode I watched, I was like, it looks like England, but they've got like a jazz band and they've got a swim team and they're all wearing these um, Letterman jackets. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I was so confused. Yeah. But then I kind of liked it because it was agnostic and it was more you know, inclusive and I felt like no matter where you're watching it from, there was something... There was a cue that you felt like this is me, like, you know, this could be me. And that's why I liked it. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad it worked for you because that was the desired (laughs) intention. Um, A friend of mine called it Saved by the Bell End, aesthetically, (laughs) which I think she did have a point. Like, yeah, it sort of has that it could be any any era, really. Um, 
and it, and it does sort of straddle American and UK culture. I wasn't part of that decision, but it was one that I understand was made very tactically. Mm. Mm. Um, Netflix wanted the show to appeal to as wide an audience as possible, and they're marketing it in the States as well as the UK. Um, and I actually think it was the right decision. Um, they employed loads of up-and-coming young British actors yeah. Um, Nikushi, who plays Eric, is actually up for a Scottish BAFTA now. And, oh, that's um, incredible. You, know, you see Emma and Amy and, and, and Connor, who plays Adam, everywhere. You know, people are doing really exactly. well out yeah. there. And, they're fan- they're, and rightly so, they're such fantastically yeah. talented British actors. But the concession made to the American audience mm. was putting a sprinkling of something in there that would mean... That they they felt that they could relate to it. Yeah. Um, and I think, to be honest, setting it in a school that's relatable but not absolutely ascribing to um, what might be the, the UK experience gives it that kind of storytelling vibe. You know, yeah, I think you I think I think I, I will allow that poetic license. Yeah. So Back to masturbation, as we just previously Back to masturbation. <laughs> That's what happens approximately every 15 minutes when I'm working from home as a freelancer. <laughs> hey, it is my work. Good for you, man. So when Otis is running his um, sort of, what would we call it? What's the word for his, like, sex therapy? Drop-in. Yeah, drop-in. It's like slash side hustle. Yeah. Amy comes to see him His about... slide hustle. Yeah. Like, he's trying to lubricate people's relationships. Uh-huh. Amy comes to see him about her own pleasure. So a lot of the people who are coming, they're coming in partners. And she comes by herself and she says, actually, I'm, I'm really struggling to reach climax and I don't know, you know what's going on. And he basically says, you know, well, why don't you spend time figuring out what's, what makes you feel good? And it's... Actually, she's like, oh, I hadn't really thought of that before. And then she spends an amazing evening by herself and she realises that masturbation is fucking awesome. And then the next day she comes into school and she's like, I've been wanking all night. I just ate four crumpets. (laughs) And she's in a great mood. And that was an amazing scene for me because I just thought, you know, I wish more girls had that experience at school and they, you know, had their first orgasm with themselves rather than with someone else. And how do you think we can encourage young girls to explore their bodies before exploring sex with others? Do you know that crumpet scene has been, become iconic for multiple reasons? Um, I'm friends with Amy Lou Woods, um, who plays Amy in the show, uh, and her sister, who's a makeup artist, who does my slap when I'm doing videos. So yeah. <laughs> cheers, ladies! Um, and we, we saw each other a couple of weeks ago and she was saying she gets so many comments about crumpets online, but also um, there's a scene where... She and her um, mean girl little set of pseudo friends, Mm. um, they've decided that they're going to go vegan for fashion reasons and they knock like a ham sandwich or something out of her mouth. And she goes, my ham! (laughs) Uh, And and people send her pictures of ham. (laughs) So she gets a lot of (laughs) food-based references. Um, But... but, uh, Nutrition aside, um, she said she gets a lot of messages from young women saying, I have never seen female masturbation depicted in such a realistic, positive way on TV, Mm. but also I have never seen a girl being shown to wank on her front. And uh, that's how a lot of women bring themselves to orgasm. Uh, When we typically 
see women supposedly masturbating for their own pleasure, it's in porn. Mm. And that means their legs are spread wider than the Grand Canyon <laughs> so that the camera can get in there. It's mm. all about the visuals rather than actually yeah. what feels good on the V. They're shaking up that coochie champagne and it seems to <laughs> pop within about five shakes, right? You know, five, five flicks of the palm and... There's yeah. bubbly all over the place. It's a very unrealistic depiction of, of how many women masturbate, whereas sex education showed Amy in lots of different poses, going at different speeds. Um, and I think it was really revolutionary in that yeah. capacity. But, yeah, you're totally right. We need to do more work to destigmatize mm. female masturbation. Um, I would actually bring male masturbation into that as well. Um, whilst I think it's more common for guys to talk about wanking, young guys to talk talk about wanking <laughs> and doing the voice, that's how it's acceptable to talk yeah. about it. Mm. Yeah, like bashed one out yeah. all over her face last <laughs> night. <laughs> oh what there isn't space for is, hey, you know, uh, I'm really having trouble coming because I've watched so much porn, I feel mm. a bit desensitised, yeah. I'm worried about that, or... Um, hey, I, I, I'm actually having trouble getting hard on or um, this this kind of stroke is not working for me. On Unexpected Fluids and in my wider work, I hear from a huge amount of young men who have phimosis where their foreskin is mm. um, a little bit too tight, yeah. which can cause uh, pain if they get a, a, an erection and then the foreskin is pulled when it mm. tries to retract or, or it... Um, and clenches around the yeah. bell end. Oof, no one yeah. wants that. Um, you never see. Or I don't think. Don't think young yeah. men no. talk about painful or challenging yeah. experiences like that. Yeah. So, I think everybody would benefit from more honest, frank yeah. chat about about masturbation. Um, I think it's particularly stigmatized for women because women's sexuality in general mm-hmm. um, is pilloried, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. I guess you guys hear about this a lot. Definitely. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. Though it's interesting to hear the side of kind of um, male pleasure as well, because there is so much more entitlement out there mm. in the media, and it's spoken about a lot more, but in that manner, which is which is you know, it's part of toxic masculinity. Absolutely. Unfortunately, yeah. most of the talk about masturbation that I hear from young men mm. isn't constructive and positive, yeah. and. Uh, thoughtful yeah, you know absolutely. it's it's often performative yeah. they're saying what they ought they think they ought to say yeah. in order to press the, mm. in order to impress those around them and it's really funny because actually when i was at school i don't remember us girls talking about that but it just never came up as a well, topic it, well it never came up in sex education it never came up, but even but even with boys in the Pleasure doesn't really come up in sex education, but men, st- boys yeah. still talk about it and like, way lads, lads, lads. But as women talking about pleasure, certainly when I was in my teens, mm. none of my friends, we never spoke about it. It just wasn't, it wasn't normalised, but it, it wasn't normalised. So many, yeah. so many reasons it wasn't in things that we were watching. It wasn't in sex education. That yeah, we had it's more schools. a man's it was, view. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't really in porn. It was just, you know, that all of those things, it just wasn't, spoken about and I think it's getting better but we're still definitely not there with female pleasure and I think we're seeing more and more of it so a lot of our um, consumers we've got a platform called Hank's Life where you can talk about your 3am 
toe-sucking fetish or whatever you want to talk about. I'm going to go on there and spam it with Tom Hanks porn just to like really fuck up your algorithm. I actually do kind of fancy Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is my ultimate husband goals, I think, long term. We need to get, we need to have some kind of partnership with Tom Hanks. I know, people are always messaging us. They're like, does Tom Hanks know about this? And it's like, Robert, you are not the first person to think about it. I literally get it every week. I'm I'm so cheesy and unoriginal. I'm going to try and think of another Hanks based joke. <laughs> Give me till the end of the podcast. I'll try and come up with something. No, fresh we for should you. totally. I don't. I wonder how much it would take. Tom, if you're listening, what's the number? <laughs> come on, Tom. Um, yeah, no, it, it is. It is interesting. I do think we are getting more and more open about it. Just like Hanks' life, we're getting more people actually commenting and, and asking. Um, you know, advice. Yeah. And I think it's just about having that open platform, whether it's online or offline, like even with your friends, being able to openly talk about that, mm. um, you know, whether it's pleasure or tips and advice. And usually it takes a few bottles of wine, but hey, how you get there. Like people get more Ooh, comfortable talking about you've it. You've mentioned so many things in that little segment that I <laughs> want to pick up on. Um, I do. Th- OK, first of all, I do think things are getting better. I think yeah. platforms like Instagram, for example, mm. where I mean, I fully accept that I live in quite a sex positive bubble where I follow a lot of other sex educators and quite progressive sex positive minds. So I'm probably in a, a, a little wanky echo chamber. Do not ask me what those echoing sounds are. Like. <laughs> um, but I do think that it's becoming gradually less stigmatised for yeah. women to talk about and prioritise and explore their own pleasure. Um, there have been various statistics from uh, quite a few sex toy companies. Lilo spring to mind, but I think others have looked into it too, um, that show that a, a lot of women receive their first sex toy as a gift from a friend. Mm. Um, and I've received as part of my work on a podcast called The Modern Man, where I have a um, essentially an X-rated Agony Aunt segment called The Foxhole. It's been running for nearly five years now. Um, I've received quite a lot of inquiries from parents wondering whether they should buy their daughter a first sex toy because they want her to be um, owning her body mm, and enjoying yeah, it yeah. in an age-appropriate, yeah, privacy-appropriate manner um, and using something that's body-safe. Um, I'll share a few stories with you in a second about what happens when you don't use something body-safe. Um, so I do think masturbation is getting better. Mm. Um, the conversation about masturbation is getting better. Uh, it's interesting that you say you need a few bottles of wine to talk about it. Um, This is something I've become really aware of lately. Uh, A number of my friends have decided to go sober and uh, certain members of my family struggle with alcohol problems. And so it's really been at the forefront of my mind lately. And I noticed that lots of workshops and panel talks and events, particularly those aimed at women that I was taking part in where they were supposed to be um, an open, safe space to chat about sex, incentivized ticket sales by offering booze. Um, like, come along and you get a free glass of Prosecco mm. with your ticket. And I'm not sure that that is a healthy thing to promote. For a start, should we really be saying that in order to talk confidently and in a relaxed manner about your own body and pleasure, you need to be fucked, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, If you follow that 
association to its logical conclusion it's whenever you're doing or talking about sexy things you Mm. need to be drinking which is not a good message to give about Mm. partnered sex that's dangerous and negative but also it excludes a lot of people from participating in those spaces like Mm -hmm. if you're pregnant if you're sober if you're abstaining for whatever Mm. reason if you're driving if you're muslim Mm. many many uh, so i've tried to enact a policy now where um, Any time I'm speaking or taking part in an event, there has to be a decent non-alcoholic alternative yeah, that's yeah. of a, like so that people yeah, who choose yeah. or have to be sober for whatever reason don't feel like they're getting some shitty, like lukewarm yeah. piss orange juice. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah, else, is, yeah. I did think kombucha was a cool alternative until a Muslim friend pointed out that because it's fermented, yeah, it does it can, have yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it causes not, yeast infections. Is oh, that, I didn't know about it that. It can cause yeast infections because they add yeast to it so it's supposed to be good for the gut but because it contains yeast if you're fighting a like a gut related issue like a candida overgrowth if you drink kombucha that yeast can contribute to the yeast that's all in your body so it's a whole like minefield are you telling me that kombucha is gonna fuck up my coochie (laughs) if if you struggle with issues down there if you don't i'm sure you're fine yeast infections from now on are just gonna be called (laughs) (laughs) kombuchas sounds like little gremlins um i was told that if you are really strictly religious because there are minute amounts of alcohol from the Mm. fermentation process Mm. that it's it's to mix my metaphors not kosher (laughs) that's definitely not right okay yeah when we host our events if it's drink included so we just did this like um ladies supper club um sex education for adults at grind it was great we had like grind yeah (laughs) and you know they can get a drink but they can get like a cocktail they can get a tea do you know what i mean they can get like decaf mocktail anything yeah so it's giving the option i think a lot of people do feel like they need it Uh but it's not saying you have to drink to talk about sex you know i I salute that and i promise you i washed my hands beforehand (laughs) um yeah i just i think we should be doing everything we can to try and welcome as many people Mm. from as many different backgrounds with as many different belief systems and circumstances into these spaces um they can they sometimes can be a bit homogenized i find um i'm really interested at the moment as well in not only the conversation between women and about women's masturbation but once you have learned what works for you and you should absolutely do that i think i i was say that people should become their own BBBs, their their own best body buddy. Because once you know uh, what works for you when you're you're doing an action to yourself, Mm. by yourself, for yourself, then having that knowledge about what Mm. tickles your pickle and floats your boat um, allows you to have a much more satisfying or at least a better chance of a satisfying partnered experience should you choose to. One of the blockages that can stop that happening, however, is you can know how to make yourself come. You then also need to have the confidence and the conversational framework to tell somebody else how to do it. Um, It really gets my goat. Don't ask me why I've got a goat. It's really highly impractical (laughs) living in East London with a goat (laughs) in a one-bed flat. But hey, um, it does get my goat when I think a lot of sex educators and sexperts and people in this world... Um, 
bang on about how vital communication is for a healthy sex life and communicate, guys. That's the, the fundamental part of a great relationship. And then ironically, do not communicate how to communicate. <laughs> yeah, so just, go, just go and communicate. Just do but, it. Yeah. It's navigating that conversation, right? That's, yeah. That's tough for a lot of people. And especially in like early relationships, right? Totally. You, so, like you just can't just go and sit down and communicate. Yeah. You have there's to be, have still some... a lot of stigma, <laughs> yeah. I think, attached. Even if there's less stigma attached to wanking itself, there's definitely stigma attached to telling somebody else how you wank in great detail or Mm. showing them. And that means that uh, I think a lot of women um, of all ages, actually, are sort of settling and going, ah, well, at least I can get myself off on my own. So I'm happy to compromise in partnered relationships and partnered Mm. sexual experiences and uh, because it's it's just too squicky and icky for me Mm. to show my partner. So... I've tried to come up with some solutions to that. If you're a bold person, try the show and tell, which is when you actually announce to your partner that you're going to put a show on for them. This this is instructional, but it's also a goddamn treat. <laughs> <laughs> channel channel J-Lo in Hustlers. Um, basically, stick your partner on a chair or the bed Put a bit of distance between you so it does feel, you know, like a mm. bit of a a bit of a saucy shenanigan. Um, and not only show them how you touch yourself, but again, if you feel confident enough, tell them what you're doing, vocalise mm. exactly what kind of strokes you're using. Um, not only will that, that help them to understand, because it can be hard visually to mm. see uh, how much pressure you're applying to yourself, you know, mm. uh, or exactly which bit of a, of a small touch works for you. Because a, a lot of people, when they touch their clitoris, for example, it's a fairly... Um, pinpoint technique right yeah you know, it everyone's can be quite, different yeah everyone's got different nerves in different places even though the whole thing is like very sensitive some people can be more sensitive in one part of the clitoris than others i know i have very particular spots on yeah. mine where i like to have more pressure than others um and showing somebody that just visually could be hard for them to understand so talking about it helps it also helps to solidify that in your partner's mind. It's another thing for them to remember. Um, and it's just, it's hotter than magma combined with wasabi and uh, <laughs> cooked in Beelzebub's kitchen. So that's helpful. Um, if that feels too intimidating, then you could perhaps get your partner, if you're using your hand to masturbate with, as opposed to a toy or, I don't know, your foot, if you're particularly <laughs> yogically accomplished and that bendy, um, Place your partner's hand over yours so that they can masturbate with you. If all of that all seems still too terrifyingly hideous, then you might try another technique called the hide and peek, which I am totally aware sounds fucking ridiculous at first, but roll with it. You tell your partner to bugger off. They can go to the kitchen or the bathroom, whatever, but they've just got to leave you alone for at least 10 minutes, during which time you light your candles, you put Miguel on Spotify, whatever it is that gets you in the zone. I've just given away to my neighbours that when Miguel or D'Angelo are on, guys, you know what's happening. Yeah, I'm never going to listen to Miguel in the same way now. Miguel makes a lot of money out of me through streaming every year. You know, I did once I did once interview Miguel and when I listened back to the tran- to the tape to transcribe it oh God. I was not subtle. Oh my god. I hope I conducted that interview in a paddling pool because otherwise there ain't no way that I was getting my rental deposit back because I definitely ruined a carpet. <laughs> 
He told me this really hot thing. I'm going off on a tangent here, but hey, it's a Miguel-flavoured tangent. He told me that, um, if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, he said that one of his fantasy places to have sex would be underneath a stage with a play going on on top of it or, like, someone performing. Very niche. That's a niche fantasy, but it is... is Stirring something. <laughs> it, I have used that as the, the spoon to stir my own personal porridge <laughs> on more than one occasion. Let me tell you, it gets baby bear there. It's not too hot, oh not too cold. It's just right. But anyway, yeah, Miguel. Um, stick your Miguel on. Get in the zone. Um, using your toy or, or your hand or whatever gets you off. Just start to relax. and you're, you're on your own in the room. Then after about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, and hopefully you have, um, you've relaxed into what you're, the job in hand, <laughs> um, your partner can come back and observe that they're not allowed to enter the room. They can only watch you from the doorway. Um, for the person doing the masturbation, this can sometimes feel less intimidating than having someone all up in your flange with the binoculars out. You know, it, it doesn't feel so gynecologically intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas for the person doing the watching, there's this sexy sensation of maybe seeing something a little bit illicit, you know, mm. being, being the observer to a very special act. It won't work for everybody, but it's at least I'm making a suggestion of something yeah, that definitely. you could try. Uh, and for some people, just having that time on their own and not feeling put on the spot mm-hmm. um, really helps them to, to relax into track And when do they things. enter the room? Um, they, do they just always stay by the door? <laughs> banish it! Thou art banish it! Be gone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, presumably when you give them permission. Yeah. Mm. Um, or when their flatmate asks them while they're, while they're hanging around. Or in the hallway, <laughs> What's yeah. going on? Yeah, this requires you to have a, a particular layout in your house and or for your flatmates to be out. Because Alex has got so many lovely, insightful things to say, we're going to have to slice and dice this episode into two. So this episode will be ending here and you can tune in to the second half of Alex's episode next week. <laughs>